Welcome back to Here and There, the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. This is Günther Hosting. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Willkommen. Where Germanic-speaking European countries, Germany, Deutschland, Deutschland. Austria, Österreich, Österreich. Switzerland, Schweiz, blend with the Midwestern United States. Hallo. We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. This is the episode of Sunday, April 10th, 2022. The war in the Ukraine rages on, and looking at the atrocities through a German and Austrian lens, here are some summarized headlines. Germany is facing increasing international pressure to intensify its position regarding various sanctions on Russia. At the same time, the German government appears to remain hesitant because of various dependencies and the rather shaky belief that the Ukraine can actually win the war. From a perspective of strategy, economics and several dependencies on Russian deliveries, it may even make sense that the German government decides not to fight with Putin. Speculatively, though, their thought is that once the war is over, that Putin will hold them economically accountable and make their lives more challenging. However, where there is a political side, there is also a human side. And here is what the German people recently say. Per writers, a growing percentage of Germans think that the government has not done enough in response to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. In numbers, this means that some 45% of the Germans view Chancellor Olaf Scholz's reaction to the invasion as insufficient. This is a result of a survey conducted by the ARD in Germany. Only 37% believe that the response is actually sufficient, and this signifies a drop of 16% points since a previous survey was conducted four weeks ago, so quite the change in opinion. Back to the dependencies, though. Russia supplies 40% of Europe's gas needs. That includes, of course, Germany's and Austria's needs just as well. However, even there, the tide slowly begins to turn. Some 50% of Germans back an immediate halt to Russian gas and oil imports, and only 42% are against it. This is all from the same survey, and there the opinions are slowly changing. Meanwhile, Austria's response is not far different from the German government's response. There are larger considerations at play, and while the Austrian Chancellor Nehammer previously said we will always remain neutral, he is also the first European leader who will meet face-to-face -face with Putin in Moscow since the invasion began. To that end, Nehammer tweeted, We are militarily neutral, but have a clear position on the Russian war of aggression against the Ukraine. It must stop. It needs humanitarian corridors, ceasefire and full investigation of war crimes. Nehama has also met with the Ukrainian President Zelensky in recent days, just as Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, has. As far as Austria's involvement is concerned, whether Nehama truly expects any meaningful change in Putin's behavior is anyone's guess. History and recent actions would suggest that this is highly unlikely, that there are any 
discernible positive outcomes. Then again, if you don't try, nothing will change. That is the only certainty. And while the ones who are in charge meet and try to figure this out, and they are spending time on hoping to create a meaningful outcome, some peacefully, others through brutality, civilians continue to die, as the Ukrainian images from the city of Puka have recently undoubtedly established. Of course, there never is an easy segue out of war stories and war involvements and countries that are actually trying to somewhat mitigate while still being intimately involved in war proceedings outside of their own nations. However, by popular demand and request, we are segueing right over to something we've done before. And it is the trio again. It is Audra. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? And it is Erin again. How are you? Good. Glad to be back. We are doing our favorite German Dach thing. So again, D-A-C-H stands for Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Of all things. And uh, I think we do have a pretty comprehensive stack of questions and ideas as to what we actually want to elaborate upon. And let's just get right into it. Erin, first question. All right. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to do this episode. Um, we received positive, such positive feedback the first time we did our favorite things. Um, and there was still so much to cover. So I'm, I'm super excited we're doing this today. So our first question is about books. Um, and, you know, hopefully it'll be springtime soon and we can start reading books outside our favorite German literature, uh, or if you're me on a beach in Florida next week for spring break. But um, my, I have always been a Thomas Mann fan. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I've read Death in Venice, Toten Venedig a few times in my German student life, um, like the first time in college. It's obviously like quite challenging um, and I always feel like I get something new from his work when I read it. Um, but like on a simple level, I find his prose to just be beautiful. Um, just, you know, the way that he describes things and feelings and subtleties. Um, that's not like a very academic analysis, but I have enjoyed what I've read by Thomas Mann. Um, I slogged through Buddenbrook's Auf Deutsch uh that was fun and challenging and then when i read Zauberberg, i read it in english <laughs> and so uh yeah but i um that that would be some of my favorite books in german what about you audra <laughs> what about me i mean i'm not gonna lie i and say that i've read a bunch of german literature i have not um, one of the classes that skipped by me in college. But uh, I mean, of course, I do appreciate anything by Franz Kafka, um, Metamorphosis in particular, whether it be English or German, have done that. Um, <laughs> but I'm also a fan of classic literature in general. So I do really enjoy the German translations of classic books like uh, Albert Camus' The Stranger, Der Fremde. That's, that's, that's an enjoyable one. But part of what I did too, and my at the end of my German major in college 
is I researched fashion in Berlin and I got to read some really interesting texts out there. Um, or there are some really interesting texts out there. So it's not too hard to find some um, fashion Berlin, I don't know, stories and history and things. So I definitely recommend that topic and really great, really interesting stuff. We don't talk about it enough. Berlin is a fashion hub. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. You know, as we looked through those questions and as I actually read the questions, I pretty quickly recognized that, uh, wait a minute, most of my things, uh, so to speak, either happened way in the distant past or have now happened in English over the last decades. So in order to talk about the favorite book, I really had to go back into sort of my childhood. I mostly read uh, Austrian fables and Greek mythology. I was sort of the, the strange kid, if you will. I didn't read the typical Grimm's Brother Grimm's uh, fairy tales and whatnot. So I was just really more interested, I guess, in the moral disposition, ethical disposition of Greek mythology, mostly, actually. That really what, is what drew me in. So I mostly, to answer the question, looked at what is really contemporarily German of uh, significance. It would, of course, be Patrick Suskind's uh, Das Parfum. I think we do have it at the GI Library, even. So there is something, if you ever wanted to stop by and borrow a book, that would be one book to get. It is, of course, in German. And other than that, and I think this is sort of the occupational hazard here, if you will, most of my reading really takes back, uh, takes place in the psychology and uh, philosophy space. So it's uh, Alan Watts, uh, particularly with Become What You Are, Heidegger, which I'm personally very drawn to, uh, very deep, very... Uh, I would say consequential, particularly as far as uh, existentialism is concerned with Dasein, which loosely translates to be present, and then, of course, all of its subsets. And as far as my academic work, of course, is concerned also emotions, emotions in organizations. And there is uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, How Emotions Are Made, uh, a phenomenal book. Uh, she's a researcher out east. I would certainly recommend that book, regardless of what you're doing in life. It is certainly one to read. That's really, uh, interestingly enough, more of an American take, if you will, uh, as opposed to a German take, which uh, I could not recommend any German books outside of Patrick Suskind. How, how strange is that when we actually look at how the script flips here? Yeah, Das Parfum, too. There is a TV show, a mini series on, I don't, it was on Netflix. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, there is a show based on the novel Perfume. It's on Netflix. It's in German, um, German produced. Um, a lot of similar actors and actresses that you see in the TV show Dark, which is also on Netflix. So it is, Perfume is also dark, like dark, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite good. I don't know if I'll be reading Heidegger in German anytime soon, but, <laughs> but uh, now we know what happens when you ask uh, an organizational communication scholar about things that they like to read. <laughs> so, Heidegger, to um, be honest, Heidegger is even difficult to read in German. I would imagine so. Um, what is our, uh, Gunter, why don't you take us to oh, the next sure. Favorite podcasts. I mean, in, in a very self-promoting kind of way, I have to say Storycast, which uh, has to be revived at some point in time. Uh, and I guess this is also where I mostly read German stories uh, of recent. So that's really my experience with German stories. 
as far as um, the last couple of years is concerned. Other than that, uh, to be honest, I am heavily relying on American productions, philosophize this, work life with Adam Grant, which is absolutely phenomenal. This American life, of course, is an icon with Ira Glass. Uh, and then where should we begin and how is work with, with uh, Esther Perel, which is a phenomenal podcast. And I do have to, of course, give an honorable mention and head nod and applause to our friends over in Germany. We had them on the cast. Uh, scroll back a little bit and you'll find the two episodes with our friends of Americans in Germany drinking whiskey. Yeah, totally agree. They are great. Um, I'm going to jump in. So I must confess, my favorite podcast in German is the only podcast that I listen to in, in German. Um, I've not listened to a lot of German podcasts. But I recently discovered a podcast called um, Feuer und Brot with Alice Hasters and Maximiliana Hecker. And uh, so I, I went to a panel recently, of course, virtually, COVID times, um, about um, like uh, Black life in Germany um, from like the Holocaust on. It was an excellent panel that talked about the history, um, racism in Germany. And this woman journalist, Alice Hasters, she wrote the book, um, Was Weißer Menschen nicht über Rassismus hören wollen, aber wissen sollten. And she's an excellent speaker. Um, her podcast is basically her and her friend talking about pop culture, about news, about internet trends. Um, they only put it out once a month and it, it takes me about a month to get through the whole podcast. Um, because I have to like digest it in chunks for my German understanding, but, but yeah, it's super interesting. It kind of makes me feel like I'm, I'm listening into a conversation between friends in German. What Might have you, to check that out. Yeah, no, um, I listen to very few podcasts when I do listen to podcasts, it's either news or it's like really like kind of garbage content, what, what some people might consider like garbage content, because at the end of a stressful day, we're talking about serious topics all day, I need lighter things. But when it comes to German stuff, of course, I appreciate Deutsche Villa and the news podcasts they do. Granted, they are in English, but from time to time when I do also want to uh, pick up on my German skills or practice my German skills, Deutsche Villa has a lot of good German learning podcasts and like story podcasts and not that I want to promote another organization story podcasts, no, but <laughs> it, it is a really great resource to continue learning German and you can kind of pick the podcast based on its like pace or content or what have you. So Deutsche Welle all around is a good go-to German podcast for me. Yeah, I, I use them routinely when I actually teach classes, but allow me to also just pawn this off, if you will, onto our audience. Uh, what kind of German podcasts are you listening to? Uh, what could we actually learn from? Or are there any German-English, perhaps, merger podcasts that are missing that you would like to hear? And we would, of course, like to hear from you on that. And that's podcast at G-A-I-M-N dot org. Audra, why not take the next one? Yeah. And I will say, I guess, a good Denglish podcast, that would be a... <laughs> I think so, nice. too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is, I, I don't actually think it exists. So that would be an interesting mix, German-English. 
Yeah, I mean, not to get on a tangent here, but I, I recently uh, watched Queer Eye on Netflix. It's, they have a German version now, um, which is very exciting. So it is all in German. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was shocked the amount of English they spoke like in it. Like, I guess I sort of forgot how, like even like in little phrases or if they're like reiterating something or if they want to like make a certain like phrase or word more punchy, they'll just say it in English. And I was super surprised by that. So yeah, Denglish is here to stay. Uh, let's well. they, they do that on the Foyer and Vote podcast also. If there's a lot of English mixed in. It went, I feel like exactly that when they want to like emphasize something or make a joke. Which is which is interesting because we do have, I think, upwards of four or five thousand English words embedded in the German language at this point. So mostly, of course, technological terms, particularly relating to social media and what have you. But it's also quite interesting when I read German news, so Austrian newspapers, for instance, and I go to the comment section that people type in German and then also in English, just infusing certain things. So it kind of uh, resembles the idea that they want to emphasize something in audio just in a written way. All right, moving on. Moving on. Yes. So the next question is, well, our favorite cultural quirk. Um, for me, I, I've had many experiences with Germans just like obviously knowing how sustainability works. So like that piece of garbage obviously goes in that trash bin. Or when I stayed with a host a couple of summers ago, like I put like a strawberry container like an empty strawberry container like I didn't know where it went so I put it in one bin and she like moved it she like went through like her trash and she reorganized things I had accidentally put in the wrong spot because I guess I didn't know what I was doing and so Germany like and I know that they're very particular (laughs) Germans are very particular about what bins their trash and the recycling go into and it's just so obvious to them and I feel so silly when I do the wrong thing um because it I mean, they grew up with it, I suppose. But yeah, that's I, I, I do enjoy that. Yes, we, we are particular about this. Erin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I just, so here I just said honesty. Um, I feel like my friends in Germany, this was like a big cultural change for me when I moved there in 2003 and I was living in Rostock. Uh, up in uh, Mecklenburg-Vorpommern in northern Germany. Um, And I had a group of friends at university. I was teaching. um, And I just, it always struck me, like, how honest my friends were. Like, you know, I feel like here, if we, you know, notice someone's wearing a new sweater, we're like, oh, you got a new sweater. It's cute. Even if we, like, don't care about the sweater. (laughs) But, like, you know, a friend of mine would be like, oh, you got your hair cut? I liked your other haircut better, you know, (laughs) or like, uh, are you tired? You look really tired today. Um, So just like honesty um, about various things, even like if I would ask my friend Uva, like, how are you? He would like not say like, oh, fine, thanks. You know, like everyone actually answers that question. I feel like maybe we've talked about that on the podcast before, but I just appreciate honesty you know when i just read your one word answer on the on the sheet i had to of course then take something other than honesty but this is actually quite true in a sense that if uh, 
my wife, for instance, puts something on that really just doesn't work for whatever reason. And she asks me, well, how does this look? I am the person that says, well, maybe you want to do something differently. And I think this really kind of flies in the face of the unconditional expectation of support, particularly in the U.S., that we always have to essentially be positive about uh, what somebody does uh, and somebody wears, for instance. And my counter-argument to this is, const- is, is consistently or commonly that wouldn't you want to have the one person that you rely upon the most to also be honest with you the most? And this is where I, I think uh, maybe take it a little bit too far as far as American standards are concerned but uh, or expectations are concerned, but honesty certainly is uh, big where I come from just as well. Uh, what was my answer here? Uh, the Viennese worldview. I brought it up in a previous podcast. Uh, let me just dive into this just briefly. I think the Viennese is uh, generally a little bit on the darker side, if you will. Our worldview is one of, oh, the world's going to end, but it's going to be okay. So I guess we're really sort of mitigative uh, thinkers. We sort of plan for the worst, but then kind of hope for the best. Uh, and I think this really is sort of a cultural adaptation over eons of having been tried to um, essentially get the Turks out of Vienna or maintain Vienna and not be overtaken. Uh, of course, World War II, World War I, I mean, basically, the Viennese has always been pummeled in one way or another, and I think our worldview really is shaped by that. So that's sort of where this, so it's going to end, but it's going to be okay, sort of comes from. All right, uh, moving on. I think uh, it's my turn on this one. Uh, the favorite movie of Deutsch. Oh, boy. Uh, honestly, I had to look uh, long and hard on this one. I haven't watched a German movie in forever. Uh, Dark as a series, of course, didn't apply. It's available on Netflix. And then I remembered, wait a minute, I watched another thing on Netflix with two Germans. It's called Expedition Happiness. It's uh, two Germans. It's a couple that converted a school bus and then is touring with that school bus through the U.S. It's really quite an interesting uh, follow-along sort of uh, journey that uh, gives you kind of both presentations, the German expectation and then the American experience. Nice. I'll have to check that out. I have, like, the longest Netflix list ever. It just keeps <laughs> growing. Um yeah, so I wrote uh, or noted uh, Das Leben der Anderen. I think that was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I did not research it uh, in like, or Best, so, excuse me, Best Foreign Film maybe for Germany from like, I don't know, 2006, I want to say. Um, I'm not going to Google it because I'm going to pretend like <laughs> Google does not exist for one second. <laughs> um and just live in the ambiguity <laughs> that we used to live in <laughs> but um yeah it's it's a story about um an actress and the theater director i think um towards the end of the cold war living in eastern germany and it tells the story of their relationship with the stasi or like the secret police officer who was um surveilling them to see if they were going to defect um so it's an interesting human story it's historical and then um, I, I do also like Goodbye Lenin. Um, I love the soundtrack. I like the acting. Um, we'll get to my celebrity crush later. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, those are two of my favorite German movies. Audra. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, not to be cliche on my favorite movie, but I really did enjoy the film at the trial on Kino Abend that we had a month, two months ago now. Um, it was Hello Again, Ein Tag für Immer. Um, it, it's sort of Groundhog Day meets like rom-com. Very interesting. The main character, she's like trying to stop this wedding that like her best friend who she's super like conflicted over and like getting, and she, he's like getting married to this really like awful woman and it's 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 quite a thing and then she actually finds out who she really like loves and she goes through a whole self-discovery journey as well in this time bending rom-com no it, it is quite cute and is quite good and uh yeah I th- and also the cinematography is beautiful great it's... shots great vibes great tone is that available somewhere? Um, I know it's in like the Goethe Institute's like okay. online library, but I'm not sure where else you can find it. I'm, I'm sure you can buy it on like Amazon or YouTube or oh, sure. one of the many things or rent it through those online sources. Erin. Um, yeah. Next question. Uh, <laughs> favorite blooper that we did ourselves <laughs> in Germany. Um, I think we had like our first, when we did our first podcast live on Facebook, wait, like in 2020, um, we asked this question of the audience, right? And we got some like really funny bloopers of things that people did when they were in Germany. But I could not think of a specific one for me, but I am so bad at just, the bike lane and I'm that person that's like walking in the bike lane and having cyclists yell at me so you know even in a city like Berlin where it's you know there's like the sidewalk and then the bike lane is like on the red it's like painted red right it's like pseudo it kind of could be a sidewalk but it's not and then there's like the cars in the street that was just like hard for me and uh i think i got better but still when i go back my sister's like dude aaron it's the bike lane <laughs> like you can't walk there yeah what about you adra um for me it's it's bike related i the first time i was in germany me and my host sister we uh we biked around like a decent amount and one day we just biked everywhere that we could and on the way back to her place um she had gotten a little bit ahead of me and she had like already gotten home and I was trying to get up on the curb of this like sidewalk and the it just didn't happen the bike did not make it up on the curb I like gashed my knee open it was awful like I tore like I was literally like maybe like 30 steps away from her house and I had to like a car was driving by when it happened and like I didn't want them to help me because I didn't want to have to deal with like speaking German because I was also like a sophomore in high school um, and it was it was just goofy and I like got back and she like felt super bad but I felt super dumb because it was just a, a dumb thing um, and then also just a blooper that happens occasionally when you go out in Germany is that suddenly I think I'm really good at speaking German when I've had a beer or two in my system and then I think about it the next day and I'm like that was absolutely incorrect <laughs> like everything I said I have the confidence but it was not correct <laughs> But so. it, it is, but it is so stereotypically correct in a sense that have a beer. It's gonna go much easier after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Gunter? What What are your? Uh, you know, I had to think long and hard uh, out of the 
lineup of things that I screwed up across my lifetime. And the one that came uh, to mind is the one that I think will forever live embedded in the back of my mind. It was um, a newscast I did back in my radio days. Uh, We actually did get the news faxed to us. And usually they came with ample time so we could read through the script and mark it up with where the breaks are and so forth. And this time I got it 60 seconds before I had to be live with news. And there was no delay back then. We just hit the mic and let's go, let's rock this. And I remember out of five minutes worth of newscast, I think I stumbled worth four minutes. It was atrocious, embarrassing, horrible. It was the worst experience on on radio that I've ever had in my entire life. Only to make it worse that when the newscast wrapped, and I put the next record in, if you will, just hit play, I just came unglued in the studio. I used every single word that shall never be broadcast and probably uh, was a massive earmuffs moment. And uh, suddenly the phone rings. I try to compose myself, answer the phone. It's my program director on the phone. And he just, for one, dies laughing. And in his laughter, just finally gets it out. It's like, hey, turn your microphone off. Yeah, the mic was hot throughout my entire coming unglued uh, on top of whatever record I played next. It, it will never leave my mind. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. And it has taught me a valuable lesson. Turn the microphone off when you're done. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> no matter what country you're in, turn off the microphone or language. <laughs> yeah, definitely, particularly when you're broadcasting something. As also on the phone, if you want to say something that should not be heard, put yourself on mute. Pro tip. Uh, since I do a lot of talking, can I hand the next question over to you, Erin? Yeah. Um, did I? Yes. Our, I think I just asked this the last question, but I'll do another one. Sure. Another one. I'm greedy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, our next question is, and this one I really think that I would love to hear from our audience on this because I think we, we do have a lot of German language learners in our audience. Um, what is your favorite German word? Um, I like the words that are hard to say. Uh, for example, Pflaume. <laughs> Can you say it, Gunter? <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. Backpflaume. Backpflaume. Back so basically Back just Pflaume. separate it out, right? Back. And flaume, okay. and then come closer together, minimizing the space in between. Back flaume. Back flaume. There you go. There you go, my friends. Um, wait, quick question: What does it mean? Plum. I flaume is a plum. Uh, back flaume means something different, but it's such a German term. The Austrian has to uh, surrender on that one. I actually don't know. So if you the uh, audience knows, again, just email us and let us know what Backplaume is. It's uh, podcast at GIMN.org. And you have a second word, Erin. I do. Uh, I think this has to be everyone's favorite word because it's so amazing. Uh, Eichhörnchen. Yes. Can you say it so people know what it actually sounds like? (laughs) It's Eichhörnchen. Eichhörnchen. It has a little bit of a richer sound, Eichhörnchen, and then, of course, is the good old, and I can't even get that out, probably, Bavarian 
Eichkanzel schwarf oder Eichkanzel schwarf. So die Tail of the Eichhörnchen. Und ein Eichhörnchen ist Pop Quiz. Squirrel. 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 <lacht> Günther, can you say squirrel though? Squirrel. 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 Yes. Yeah, Kinda, that's, sorta. That's pretty. Because that, that's the reverse side of it is that Germans can't say squirrel. Fair enough. <lacht> <lacht> Uh, let me let me go next um, on this one, so I can grab the next question. Then subsequently, uh, my favorite German word, and this is going to sound a little bit strange, is actually Austria. And the reason for that is uh, Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber. I think forever tainted the idea that Austria and Australia are not the same thing, and it almost routinely with predictability happens when people ask me where I'm from and I say Austria, their first thing is, oh, Australia. And I still attribute this uh, to, to Jim Carrey to, to, for some reason, uh, besides perhaps the challenged uh, geographic uh, level of knowledge. But even there, it doesn't make any sense because there's like 10,000 miles in between Austria and Australia. So I am on a mission to correct the error that Austria is not Australia and then go From there. So Austria, in this case, is sort of my, my mission as in the favorite German word right now. Interesting. I didn't realize that people got them. I mean, like sort of, you know, like you hear things from time to time where people are like mix them up. I didn't know it was such a, a frequent occurrence in your life. <laughs> uh, 75% plus. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's, okay. it's routine. It's, it's actually shocking. Sorry. That's yeah, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Com compla complaints to Jim Carrey, please. <laughs> I'm writing a letter. Good. Good. Um, but now on to my favorite German words. I have three that came to mind. Um, I really like Zunge, which means tongue. Zunge, there's something about like the Z-U sound that's like really satisfying because we don't like have that sound. Or, like we don't like make that, I don't know, We don't do that with our mouth in English, not really. It's nice. But your pronunciation um, is spot on, so there's that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then Gorka, cucumber. <laughs> Gorka. That one's kind of weirder to say. I don't think I, I say that quite right. But no, you're, you're again, Gorka. you're right on top of it. Okay. <laughs> but do you know the term of endearment for Gurke in Austria? It's das, das Gurkel. Gurke. Gurka, it's G-U-R-K-E-R-L. Das Gurkel. Das Gurkel is basically a smaller version of the big cucumber. That's an odd term of endearment. Sort of, yeah. But that's what we call it, Gurkel. No, I'll take it. I, I like it. I hope someone calls me a Gurkel one day. Um, <laughs> um, my, my last word is... A word I learned in a project in high school. It is Stachelrochen. I don't, I, I, that, the CH sounds are really Stachelrochen. Like it's, yeah. It, <laughs> it means stingray. I did a project on stingrays in high school for the but at the Minnesota Zoo. Um, so I learned that super fun, unnecessarily long word for stingray. Unnecessarily <laughs> long. That's amazing. Audra, I literally have never heard that word. Right? There's no... I've never heard that word and I love it. <laughs> There's not much of a context that would make sense for one to learn that in Germany. Seriously, so. I'm literally going to call my sister after this podcast. You know, she's lived in Germany for 20 years and I I'm going to ask her if she knows the word for stingray in German. 
And if she knows it, I think she's act like, yeah, I'm going to be amazed. Yeah. Good no. word. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but uh, I think it's my turn to ask yes, the is. next question. I've been skipped over, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, our favorite things to buy in Germany. This is, this is an odd question, but the first thing that came to mind, I think for all of us, well, for Aaron and I, it was food. Um, but for me, it was anything with paprika. German, like paprika is on everything in Germany and I love it. It's great. Like the first time I went to Germany, my host family gave me paprika covered nuts. And I was like, what? Why would they do that? <laughs> but then I ate them and it was fine. It was perfect. Paprika chips, paprika on everything. So I enjoy the paprika covered products. <laughs> There's one that I forgot. I'm just going to jump in. Sorry. Sure. Uh, Adnos flips. You know, the um, Adnos flips, they're like, you know, like Cheetos or cheese puffs, but instead of cheese, it's got like the peanut sprinkle. Yeah, the Adnos oh. flips. They're like in a red bag. I think they have various variation, flavor variations, but I would like just destroy them if I saw them anywhere at a party or anywhere. <laughs> they were so good. I totally um, forgot that those existed. Thanks for bringing those back in my memory because, yes, they are absolutely addictive they're amazing in fact i yeah that's now at the top of my list of what i will buy when i go back to germany um i also really liked this one brand of chocolate it's lint which is swiss right but they had this like sour kirsch chili chocolate i just felt like the chocolate flavors in general were much more adventurous and interesting that you could get anywhere, like the grocery store or gas stations, you know, like here to get those flavors, you have to go to like some fancy candy store, but I could just go to the gas station and get this like amazing chocolate. And I did, um, but I also, so this comes, this is connected to my favorite store, but I really like German Taschentücher, you know, like the pocket Kleenexes, because like the Kleenexes in America are wimpy. They're worthless. True. They're like so thin that you can't clean up a spill. You can barely blow your nose sometimes. Like, but the Taschentücher in Germany are legit. They are like napkins. You can use them for many things. So I, yep. I don't know. Maybe that's just like my mom brain is like, <laughs> these are so useful, but, or whatever. I, I have always been a fan of the Taschentücher. Uh, and then I, I, I added cheap COVID tests. Um, they're just so much cheaper there. When I saw my sister recently, she brought me a bunch in her suitcase. It saved me like 80 bucks. Wow. Uh, let me backfill something here real quick. Uh, for those who are local in Minnesota, particularly the Twin Cities, if you are going to your local Kowalski's uh, grocery store, they do have an entire um, array of Rittersport, which mm -hmm. is the square chocolates that comes in just about every single flavor known to man. So that would really get you very close to home. Rittersport is something that we have uh, in Austria just as well. Germany, of course, the same. So this would really get you close to having the authentic German-Austrian chocolate experience in the variety of flavors. I guess I sort of stepped out of uh, sync here with the favorite thing to buy. Of course, the Austrian uh, immediately thinks, well, wait a minute, uh, I've seen everything here. How can I get out of here? 
And that is where buying plane tickets comes in play. It's uh, flying in Europe is so much cheaper than it is uh, flying in the US. Uh, so basically jumping from one country to the next, um, even though closer in distance uh, than many of the distances in the US, is also fundamentally cheaper. And I guess metaphorically, it's also I just had this this obsession with airports ever since I was a kid because it's really the only location where everybody truly has a destination. Nobody ever really just wanders aimlessly lost in life, I suppose. And I've always found this to be very fascinating. Everybody was always on a mission, trying to get to their gates, trying to get to the baggage claim, what have you. Everybody determined uh, and... It just really had this fascination for me, just air travel and airports in and of itself. So that's my favorite thing to buy, even though it gets me, quote unquote, out of there rather than having to consume something while I'm there. It's also more expensive than at nose flips. <laughs> that, that much is true. Um, moving on, the next uh, question was, what is your favorite store? And... To be honest, I actually don't have a favorite, favorite store in Austria at all. Uh, basically, H&M, maybe, which for clothing would be... Uh, I don't think there is a comparable over here in the US, at least none that I'm aware of. So generally what I do is also what I really like to do here in the US is to frequent my local butcher shop, my local winery, to really just make sure that uh, my spending is kept local as much as humanly possible of course with the odds adaptation for items that i can't get otherwise but keeping it local keeping it with the butcher shops where you know the quality is absolutely top-notch it does really contribute of course much like here to your local connections you become a known face and uh, you just build relationships and that to me is a little bit more important than you know buying something on the cheap so to speak just because i can yeah Nice. Um, I will jump in. I uh, I really like a, a German uh, drugstore. <laughs> so I put, again, this related to Tashin Chusha, chocolate, snacks. Um, Budni is a chain. I think they're mostly in Northern Germany, but I was going to Hamburg often. Uh, I feel like Budni has everything. It's, it's amazing. I mean, you could buy shampoo, food. Um, I have the cutest coffee mugs and like cereal bowls that um, I got like on special. Um, I don't have it right now because I'm not drinking coffee, but um, they have lasted. They're not like cheap and breakable. So I love a Budni or a Rossmann. I feel like if I'm going somewhere on like a train and there's one in the train station, I have to go in <laughs> and buy things. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. What about you, Andra? Yeah, I also love a good drugstore. Um, for me, it's Day M because um, they feel like they're everywhere. And so like if it's in a train station or if it's <clears throat> walking down the street and I like need something or if I'm bored, I want to I feel some AC for two seconds. Like I just pop into Day M. Um, like yeah, what would that what would be the closest American comparison just for reference? Uh, Walgreens, CVS ish kind of idea? Yeah. I think I think maybe closer to at least in my mind, it's closer to Walgreens. Mm -hmm. But it's but like a really nice Walgreens. A really nice Walgreens and a very like 
savvy neighbor. Yeah. And, and upscale Walgreens, <laughs> even though it seems Walgreens. like a contradiction. Yeah. And I think you can also buy beer and wine there, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a pretty, they have such an expansive like beauty section. And I'm always shocked and amazed by the like natural beauty products that you find in Germany, as opposed to the like, you know, all the icky ones we have here that you don't really know what's in it or it's going to dry out your skin or whatever. Yeah. Same. When my daughters were babies and we went to Germany, um, that is where I bought baby food because they had like this a great like organic all natural like baby food <laughs> at Budni and, and you know Dam and Rossmann there's a few anyway we're big fans Audra and I are going on vacation together <laughs> and we're going to the drugstore okay <laughs> yes but when I do want to buy proper groceries I do like an Etika um of course and with the the older man as their mascot how can you not love etika <laughs> um but when it comes to clothing and things um i know these are not necessarily specific to germany but monkey or and other stories you i think there's a couple like and other stories in like bigger cities in the u.s but otherwise you have to just buy their clothing online here in the u.s so <laughs> i like to do my little clothes shopping when of course when i go abroad and I'm always open to trying new things and not chains but uh the chains I like are monkey and other stories Erin yeah um question uh what is your favorite drink in uh Germany Austria Switzerland um for me I said I was feeling seasonal and alcoholic (laughs) so I said Weinschola in summer, that is like white wine. I, I hope they don't make it with red wine. That sounds terrible, but it's like, a, do they make Rotweinschola? Uh, I have not seen it stretched basically with uh, seltzer water, but I have seen uh, red wine stretched with Fanta. That sounds terrible. Anyway, it is a Weinschola. <laughs> Yes, that is white wine with like some sparkling water to make it a little, you know, refreshing. Uh, And then you have to drink that outside in summer when it's hot. And then, of course, glue vine outside at the Christmas market. So those are mine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have to jump on that as the most important favorite drink that any Austrian could possibly have, particularly once you've been abroad, Austrian tap water. Sounds incredibly trivial, but if you have had Austrian tap water, it is, that's the stuff that we pay money for here. That's on the shelves. And it is uh, Avian Plus, if you will. It's absolutely the highest possible glacial water that you can that you can really find austria prides itself on its water quality uh, it's mostly the first thing that i do when i touch uh, down in vienna when i get to my dad's house is i beeline to the faucet and uh, down a couple of glasses of water because it is that darn good uh, i've actually found it in the cooler section at some of the local grocery stores i think it's called death water it's <laughs> It's Austrian water in a can. It doesn't quite taste the same because it's out of a can, but I can guarantee you once you had Austrian tap water, you will 
look back longingly once you have left Austria. Other than that, I'm a big red wine guy. I just recently found a Zweigelt uh, from Weingut Pfaffer on mm. a local shelf um, for 14 bucks a bottle, which is uh, shockingly affordable. And come to find out that uh, the Weingut, so the winery that actually makes the Zweigelt, is 10 minutes away from my dad's house. Didn't know. Wow. So I'm keeping it local from the U.S. And last but not least, uh, my sort of favorite obsession is a good bourbon. All righty. Excellent. Um, Otto. I totally space. Who's the, who's the nope. next questioner? We need to talk about Otto's drinks. Yeah. Oh, I didn't no, talk about I'm drinks sorry. Aaron. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, yeah. You're ahead of the game. You just, you want to be done. Just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just so excited to talk about the next question that I just, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I cannot relate to Gunter in his love for red wine and bourbon. Those are the things I find myself having a hard time <laughs> drinking. Um, but when it comes to non-alcoholic things, I... I don't drink pop here in the US. That's not something I do. You'll catch me with the LaCroix. That is my carbonated drink of choice before <laughs> pop. Um, but when I go abroad, I treat myself to it because it's a normal color and the sugar isn't as bad in pop <laughs> um, in Germany. So I do love a good Spezi or Fanta. Um, but let's go ahead. Go Can you explain what Spezi is? It's... Oh, what what is it? It's like a combination drink of like, essentially like, oh, what is it? I don't want to say Coke and like Sprite. That is that is that right? No, it's Coke it's and right. Fanta, I think. Coke and Fanta. Okay. I think so. Yeah. 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 And it but is deliriously good. It is so good, and you can you, there's nothing like it here. Nope. Um, so if you're if you're new to German things and you've never had Spetzi, when you go there. Drink all the spetsy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, on the alcoholic side, of course, I, I have a really fond memory of um, drinking Kush. I know Kush is like very like, you know, like some people love it. Some people, well, the people from Cologne love it and everyone else hates it. Um, <laughs> but drinking it while sitting on the Rhine at the cute little restaurant, like there's nothing that quite compares to that. So I don't drink Kush here, really. It's not, it's not the same, but uh abroad I, there I like it so I, I totally agree also have nice memories I think like sitting outside the the dome uh, in Cologne and, and having some coach and they bring it out on like a like a ski or something mm. you know it's, I don't know I, I just have that memory too and the okay. little glasses mm -hmm. but Erin since you were already ready to jump into the next question might as well take it right <laughs> yeah, um, former history major, huge history fan. Uh, so I wrote this question, which is, what is your favorite historical monument <laughs> in Germany, Austria, Switzerland? And uh, mine, I, I would say, is the Neue Wache in Berlin. So it's on Unter den Linden, um, one of the main streets. You know, it's there's a lot going on on Unter den Linden, you know, Brandenburger Tour, and um, Humboldt University and um, some other things. It's sort of an understated monument. Like it's basically, I think like inside there's this sculpture by Kette Kovitz, the German um, artist. Um, I think she did printmaking and sculpture. 
And it's very simple. It's just like a mother cradling her son who had passed away and fighting war. And it's it's quiet, it's it's understated and yet like powerful, you know, for for peace and for for mourning those who passed in war. Um so yeah. What about you, Adra? Um, I guess going back to the cologne thing, I really enjoyed my time tra traipsing up the Kölner Dom or the Cologne Cathedral. I really enjoyed that. It, it's quite the trek and as someone who doesn't like heights or like, I like feeling secure when I'm like climbing things or <laughs> what have you, climbing up the spiral staircases and the sort of like scaffolding that they have you would like climb up when you're getting to the top it's 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 pretty intense but it was well worth the view you feel really triumphant at the top and it is a gorgeous gorgeous cathedral um so I mean it, it's sort of the focal point of the city so I mean you can't miss it when you're there um so definitely it's definitely worth the trip it's worth the hype I would say I'm sort of in the same vein here, just a little more Vienna-centric. It would have to be Der Stephansdom, so St. Stephen's Cathedral, which, uh, of course, is the heart and center of Vienna. Much like uh, the uh, dome in Cologne, you can get up to uh, the very, I think, almost very top of uh, St. Stephen's with a guided tour. But then uh, you can also inverse that and go way below St. Stephen's into the catacombs. So if you're a little bit uh, leaning to the morbid side, if you will, then the catacombs are your destination with uh, thousands upon thousands of bones neatly stacked. It does look a little bit like a reenactment of Lord of the Rings, if you will, except, of course, it has been done hundreds of years ago. And uh, that would be certainly something I would say is my favorite historical monuments uh, of, of old, if you will. And then I would uh, take you into the Augarten, which is a public park. And to this day, there are, I think it's three old um, air defense towers that were erected uh, for Second World War purposes to defend Vienna with anti-aircraft guns, but also to function, I would say, uh, to some degree as bunkers, if you will, uh, the reason why they're still standing is, uh, for one, of course, to remember uh, the Second World War. But it's also because those things are so ginormous. They are gargantuan. And I think the city of Vienna decided that it would just be too much of an effort to actually tear them down. And in the Augarten as well, the Vienna Boys Choir, then there is a porcelain manufacturer in there. So this place really keeps on giving. So if there is one place you want to check out, so as far as public parks is concerned, the Augarten in Vienna is absolutely one of my variety favorite historical monuments. Audra. The next question. The next question. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> our, our favorite celebrity, our favorite celebrity out of Dach or and or our celebrity crush. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, it's perhaps kind of basic, but and I think we all sort of fangirl over him, especially as he's made his way into get, getting some sort of fame in the U.S. as well as Germany. It's Louis Hoffman. Hoffman. Um, he is like the lead in Dark. He is everywhere. He's done quite a few films recently. He's on all the magazine covers looking very spiffy. Um, 
quite enjoyed the work that he's doing as well as Gunter's looking at me like I'm nuts but also in the hello again I'm talking for Ember Eden Hasanovich I believe is how he pronounces the name he's one of the main characters as well um up and coming actor really enjoy it's, it's the first well. time I've actually seen you blushing on zoom so there, <laughs> there is that Erin do you have a uh, celebrity crush Yes. So uh, going back to my, my movie, uh, Goodbye Lennon, which stars Daniel Brühl, um, I've not seen him in anything in ages. I feel like he's made some appearance in American movies, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, he was in Goodbye Lennon, um, also like this sort of funny movie called Die Fetten Jahren sind vorbei. Um, but yeah. I, I knew that he like lived in Berlin and so I I was basically always looking for him like my sister and I would we were always were like we're gonna run into Daniel Brühl tonight <laughs> like, and we um we after like two years at one point we saw him like walking down the street like across the street from us and um almost died so <laughs> so there's that that was a nice memory. Um, I go back to one of my podcast references and I want to also preface this with the idea that it's really a sort of an intellectual infatuation, if you will, with Esther Perel, who is just a phenomenal therapist in the psychology space. Uh, She's gained notoriety by simply being on top of her game and then packaging some of her sessions, which are individual sessions in form of a podcast and for one, I would recommend listening to it because there's a lot of really good stuff in there, just really good nuggets, if you will, to take away. Uh, so that's where Esther Perel comes in. And uh, there is an intellectual male crush with Adam Grant, uh, who is just a phenomenal organizational psychologist. So both are sort of in my line of work, if you will, and in my uh, intellectual interest. Hence, us. that's where the, uh, the crush comes from. Did I get myself out of that one? All right, perfect. <laughs> I feel like your answers are slightly more respectable than Audra and mine. <laughs> we just like seeing cute men do cute man things and you like people's brains. So good for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, who's on the next I question? think it's me, actually. Okay. Uh, the least favorite places in Dach. I once again had to think long and hard about it, and it so happened that I was just on the phone before we started this podcast with my cousin in Austria, and we were talking about some of the vacation destinations and uh, places I would like to take my wife to next, and we were talking about uh, the disappointment that Hallstatt was. It is this fabled uh, little tiny village that's carved into the mountain over a lake. It's incredibly picturesque, uh, so much so that the Chinese actually rebuilt a replica of it, uh, almost one-to-one. Just a beautiful place. You can get done with a tour in about two to three hours, and you've seen every nook and cranny of Hallstatt. But the cost associated with staying in Hallstatt, the I would almost say tourism pretentiousness of this tiny little village that has so much to be thankful for, for having just this picturesque, pristine, amazing location, really got to me and turned me off as an Austrian. I expected better from my own folk, and I expected a little more 
I would say, courtesy as opposed to standoffishness, which is not the Austrian tourism way. So that really struck me by surprise. And unfortunately, also would be a place that I can recommend to go, but not to stay. And beyond that, um, I would say it's some of the social housing buildings, so the Gemeindebauten in Vienna, particularly Karl Markshof, uh, which is a really large, well over 1,000 units uh, apartment complex that was rapidly built. Uh, it has a very institutional feel to it. It uh, houses, uh, obviously, a lot of families, a lot of people, several thousand people in there. But it just really lacks the charm that Vienna usually is known for. And I wish that in 2022, the city of Vienna would pay a little bit more attention to that and just brush this up. And it's really just not a pleasant place, if you will, visually. So that would be my two least favorite places in Austria. Erin, do you have one? Yeah, for me, I said the Bahnhof at Alexanderplatz because this is also Berlin. I feel like all my answers are Berlin. Spoiler alert, I lived there for two and a half years. So, but um, yeah, I just, for some reason, I was permanently, continually disoriented. Like I could get off, you know, there's like four different subway lines. There's the S-Bahn, there's the, like trams there's the regional train um it doesn't matter what what buses what form of transportation i took how i ended up there how i got off there i would just walk around i was always disoriented it was very confusing um and yeah and that's hard you know you said like with airports someone always has a destination that's like 50 50 sometimes (laughs) at a train station because some people are just hanging out but I did feel like the people who were in a hurry, like were in a hurry and they knew where they were going. And that also like stressed me out because I was like, ah, where's the Utsvai? I have no idea. <laughs> they hit it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in that same vein, because I mean, I also have memories of the Bahnhof and Alexanderplatz and yes, that is very um, par. Um, but I mean, any train station at night for me, I mean, maybe that's just a woman thing in general, like, and I, I just don't like being there. The vibes are kind of weird. Um, it's the only time where I don't like, I mean, it's safe and I know it's like safer than like any transportation we have here, but I don't know. There's, that's the only time where I'm like, mm, I want to be home. Like I need to like not be here right now. That's, that's really the only instance. Um, with that is bad, but uh, Vienna for me too. I think Gunter and I have talked about this before. So I went to Vienna once when it was like a really heavy like tourism day or season, and it just was not as enjoyable as I wanted it to be. And I really wanted to like it because um, I, I have no qualms with the city. I have no qualms with the city. I have qualms with the way the flows of traffic were being handled and how everything was overcrowded because everyone wants to live at Vienna. Vienna waits for all of us, right? Um, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wanted to like it, but I, I think that's just sort of a across the board thing too, is like, I don't like to be anywhere when it's crazy busy and overcrowded. And I've had that experience in a couple of places, but Vienna in particular was, given how big of a city it is, I was surprised that it was so overwhelming. 
Vienna can get busy in a hurry and it is not a pleasant experience to trot around downtown and just essentially almost be pushed from one step to the next uh, without you actually wanting to make that step. It it does get overcrowded, which is just simply because of the, I think, concentration of really cool stuff downtown in the first district. Uh, unfortunately, right. one of the downsides, of course. All right, we are coming up to our last question, and I think the last question absolutely belongs to Erin. Take it away. Yes, what is your favorite restaurant in the area? Um, I have two. One is, it's kind of funny, but in Berlin, Mitte, there's a restaurant called Schwarzwaldstuben, and it has uh, food from the Black Forest. Uh, and it was just so, I was like literally for real obsessed forever with their Käsespätzle. It was just like perfect. It was like fried with onions, cheesy. Get you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> like, so that, that's a Bavarian restaurant in Berlin. So basically you were eating foreign food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people like, you know, transplants who are from that area, uh, the Schwarzwald who like live in Berlin would like eat there for like their comfort food. It was also like a little hipstery trendy. I don't know what the vibe is like right now, but, um, but I just really wanted the Kaiserspitzle and they had Maltaschen, which were also so good um and then for like a more upscale place there was a restaurant um called Googlehof uh that is in Prenzlauerberg in Berlin I don't know if it exists anymore Hetzlifel oh no it does exist the internet I just looked tells me it it still exists <laughs> Googlehof did you um, google the Googlehof yeah, it's like food from the Elsass region. Um, and apparently President Bill Clinton, this is why I ended up going there. Someone told me it was like Bill Clinton's favorite restaurant or he had gone there or he had played his saxophone there. There may or may not be a picture of him on the wall. Um, but they had like delicious like flamkuchen. It was like fancier. So when I was feeling rich, I would go there. Um and uh yeah good wine good food maybe bill clinton we'll have to fact check that <laughs> yeah. how about you andra um i honestly could not think of a specific like restaurant or cafe i mean there was a cafe around the corner from the Goethe institute when i was there that i it was the perfect pick me up it had very nice vibes that a cute outdoor area and it's very hipstery very very that very berlin um <laughs> but and so i enjoyed that but i cannot remember the name of it um but otherwise there was this really like really quaint brewery not a beer garden a brewery um where like, mikeller it was also sort of in the mitte uh area of berlin um I just really liked it. It was, it's small. Um, sorry for the squeaky toys that are definitely <laughs> going to end up in the recording now. Oh, absolutely. Um. It's, it's <laughs> Zoom time and there is a little wiener dog involved in the podcast. Why not? Right. As if I couldn't be any more of a German major, I have a wiener dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, this brewery in particular, I liked it because it was a nice change of pace too from like all the heavy like beer. It was nice to have an, like a sour and a nice little IPA moment as opposed to all the other things I had been <laughs> drinking throughout my time in Berlin. But what about you, Gunter? What's 
Well, uh, obviously, we are all leaning towards the places that we have experience with. So I kind of turn myself into a little bit of a tour guide here, if you will. In uh, Vienna downtown first district, the Doho, which is a restaurant bar that's right across from St. Stephen's Cathedral, that you can hang out in its big glass windows, glass walls, essentially the entire thing looks a little bit like an aquarium. Uh, it is some of the most amazing views of uh, St. Stephen's Cathedral while zipping a drink uh, of the very well-stocked bar or just having some really fantastic food. It is a great place, great place that comes with a price tag, that comes with a little bit of uh, pretentiousness and arrogance that I would say that is, again, uh, infused by really being such a popular place. Uh, doesn't necessarily give it reason, but I suppose that this is one of... Um, there as uh, I guess uh, hindrances I guess they just feel that they're more important than they should be um, and then I direct you into the polar opposite to something that is uh, a typical traditional Viennese restaurant or as we call it a Gasthaus that is a family operated and owned little shop in the ninth district it's the Gasthaus Orlik and the reason why I picked that is because it has existed for my gosh, it's got to be 40 plus years at this point. And it's it's traditional Viennese cuisine. Now, thankfully, the menu is in English. Uh, you can at least request that. Uh, but most importantly, you can have authentic food for a ridiculously low price tag. And I, again, talked with my dad about this to verify, more or less, when he goes there, which is one of his favorite uh, places. Uh, you can have a massive Wiener schnitzel that is actually almost a Wiener for two, if you will. Uh, potato salads, uh, two beers, glass of red wine, and so forth for about 20 euros, and that includes tip. That is just a ridiculously low price tag for high-quality food, and it's a 20-minute uh, ride with a subway involved from about uh, downtown, a couple of minutes of walking. So that would be my two suggestions uh, to hang out at the, ho at the Doho and um, just observe the hustle and bustle on St. Stephen's Square and then head on over for some real Viennese food to Gasthaus Orlik. That's my little tour of Vienna from a culinary perspective. Golden, that is so useful. And uh, unfortunately, that's actually the last questions that we had. Uh, question that we had. So I would uh, please offer the opportunity to everybody who's still with us at this point, an hour and five minutes in. If you oh want to ask us other questions, <laughs> feel free to do so. Just email them to us and uh, we are happy to answer. It's podcast at geimn.org. Uh, fire those questions away. I think those episodes are really a lot of fun and uh, we might as well continue them if uh, you pepper some questions at us. Other than that, shall we wrap it? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, it was the trio again, thankfully, with Erin. Good to see you. Good to see you. And Audra. As always. <laughs> as always. And of course, it's Gunther here signing off. Uh, as always, if you do find the opportunity to give us five stars, please do so. And if we're not worthy, worthy of the five stars, just email us and let us know how we can actually earn them and get better. Other than that, thank you so much for being with us. Until we talk to you next time, Gunther signing off. Tschüss.